The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a disused mental hospital, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shout at you. Apologies are not necessary. No, 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 of course they're not. Now, can you tell me, please, why this scanner will not work? The doctor immobilized the mechanism before he left in order to prevent you switching it on. You mean he doesn't trust me? What is he doing out there? We will conclude formalities. Sign it. I never signed anything before I've read it. Then read it. You promise complete control of the time loss. You will have complete control. But here in paragraph four, such lawyers a... quibbles, Doctor. Well, I've heard that before. Well, I must not be killed, but of course you know that. Sign it. Complete control. My word. Well, I've signed so many things. One more won't make any difference. But it will, Doctor. It will. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 303. Hello, hello, hello. And that was a wonderful, exquisite Ian Bissett from this side of the shore, or the side of the ocean, or I don't know, I guess my side of the, whatever. Yeah. Here. Here. (laughs) And um, and also... there. And also joining us is um, across the other side of the the little thing that we call the Atlantic Ocean is uh, Mr. Dave Cooper. Hi, everyone. I'm sorry if you hear some crackling on that uh, little intro there. My little tinfoil hat was making some noises. <laughs> You've got to protect yourself, you know. Yeah, well, I, some people I have tinfoil hats. Other people wear tinfoil gowns, <laughs> shimmering <laughs> tinfoil gowns. Yes, and this is Doctor. Oh, the webcam on again. <laughs> oh, you left a webcam. Yeah, <laughs> see. And and we're back with Doctor Podshock, <laughs> as uh, Store may may had had said. So uh, yeah, yeah, well, we're we're back, and um, and I, I have to give hats off and kudos to to. Uh, um, Dave, or I should say, David. I can't do. I'm not going to. I'm not going to speak like store. 
<laughs> so I'll just give it up now. I have to give hats off to Dave and Ian for for joining us tonight because uh, because there was uh, well a communication breakdown on my part and I do take the the, the blame on that. That um, so um, but they're they're here and we're gonna. Um, I, I'm not going to. It's late, so we're not going to waste too much time about it. But I, I do want to thank them at the top of the show as well as the bottom of the show. Yeah, we just had a little trouble with our straight jackets. That was the other trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we're coming from a disused. Yes, I couldn't get Dave's done up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Well, it's a good thing we're coming from a disused mental hospital because it's it's getting some some use after all. I yes. think there might be a hint in there somewhere, but there you go. Yes, yes. Well, I think I, I already let the cat out of the bag, as it were, last week when I, I think I had announced that we would be reviewing Invasion of Time this week. So I, I'm hoping that maybe it, you, our listeners, maybe have um, had a chance to uh, review it yourself. Maybe you, you went back and, you know, knew, knowing that we were going to review it, you know, maybe you had um, brushed up on it. I know I hadn't seen it in a while myself. It's probably been... Um, Wow, it could be close to a couple of decades since I last seen it, so it was a nice treat to, to revisit it once again. But for, for any of those who have not seen it and uh, want to before we get to that part, you still listen to the news and everything, and then just pause and watch it. <laughs> um, it is on Hulu. Yes, it is on Hulu if you have Hulu, so uh, you can stream that to your very own device. As I did. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great that it's available there. Um, I, I hadn't checked other streaming services. It may be available on Amazon and iTunes as well. I'm not sure. But I know definitely it, I did check Hulu. Um, I have the the DVD, which I had, I had gotten a while ago, but I hadn't had a chance to watch it. So gave me a good excuse to, um, you know, dust off the <laughs> – brush off the dust from the shrink wrap and open it up and pop it in and watch it and, and enjoy it. Well, my copy is on DVD, and it's a signed copy, signed by uh, Ray uh, uh, Callaghan, who plays uh, oh. Abliff, is it, uh, in the episode? Yep. Bought it at um, Hooverville, I think. They were having a, a sale, and it's a pre, it was a pre-signed DVD copy. I think I'm going to sign mine, too, just so we can um, we both have signed copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just signed I'll it. I'll sign it for you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but Ian, why did you sign it in Napoleon? It's, it's not right. <laughs> I was just doing Napoleon. <laughs> I, was, I was boning up on the part. Ah. Right. Okay. He's harmless. Anyway, He's harmless. Don't worry before, about it. Let's get to news before we uh, <laughs> we hurt the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll try not to hurt. Um, that's an offense in, in certain states. All right, so let's get into the into the news, which means it's time for Doctor Who news. So, uh, um, new series news. Uh, as we know, uh, it's May, middle of May, as we record this. So it's, we're just a few months out for the new series, which we're assuming will be either mid or end of August, um, if all goes well. Mm-hmm. So Possibly it's, not. It's just, no? It's, has it been not. There's some No, there's, there's no, nothing spoilerish, but some people uh, think that uh, someone either mistakenly uh, either made a mistake or let something out of the bag that it could be uh, 
in July. Oh, okay. Well, then um, we're even closer to the start of it than we imagined. Than we thought? Than we thought, yeah. So as we get closer, uh, uh, new information and uh, new news is coming out about the new series. And uh, to that end, uh, most recently we have found out that a new guest star has been announced that will be uh, in the new series. And that's um, Hermone Norris, if I'm pronouncing her name right. She's... um, Hermione. 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 I can never... Like like from Harry Potter. Yeah, I... I, Okay. (laughs) I, I... I'm not. I, I've seen a couple of them, but I, it's, I'm not recently. All right. Um, <laughs> I know. I know I'm getting hisses. I'm getting hisses out there from from the audience. So I, I am sorry. I, I got nothing against it. I just. All right. But she's uh, formerly the star of Spooks, which I've never seen either. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming from the, from the title, it's something to do with ghosts or horror or something in that something spooky no 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 no, no. oh see i have spooks spooks are intelligence people it's it's being in intelligence bureau spooks are sort of think men in black sort of thing i see but okay the nsa yeah there's sort of uh we're gonna get sidetracked here you tell (laughs) me well, um, yeah, Secret Service people. Yeah, you know. MI five star. Um, so that's so. I guess the series was MI five, not Spooks. It's just right or Spooks uh, is a Spooks is the nickname given is the to nickname. those sort okay. of people. But the series is called MI five. Yes, no, maybe, perhaps. No, I think it's called Spooks. Oh, okay. That's why. Uh, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> But Spooks is also a nickname, which is why they've used it as the title. Okay. Clear as mud, isn't it? It is. is. (laughs) Well. I I think it's time for your electric shock treatment. (laughs) (laughs) Here, just stand in front of this DMAT gun. (laughs) (laughs) We'll feel better in a minute. (laughs) There you go. Feel better now? Yeah. <laughs> you feel a new man. I am just going to go stay. Would you leave him alone? <laughs> I'm just going to go sit in the corner here. <laughs> okay, then I'll take the next one. As long as you're done with her mind from whatever. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, Hermione yours. Did you want to take the... T- 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 I'll let you run with sure. it, Ian. Take the ball and okay. run. Um, <laughs> I'm running. I'm running. Uh, the, the the interesting thing is this, this actually is a is a is a follow on. Um, it is um, because Hermione is actually going to be um, featured in uh, uh, episode uh, written by uh, Peter Harness and directed by uh, uh, Paul Wilmhurst, and uh, we'll see. Uh, filming undertaken in a at a familiar location to Doctor Who fans um, and Peter Davison. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, filming is good, uh, taking place on Lanzarote, uh, which of course is where Planet of Fire was filmed. Now, 
It's interesting because the wording is kind of open to interpretation. Uh, Stephen yeah. Moffat used the words, uh, the Doctor is returning to the scene of an old adventure, uh, but there's been sinister changes since his last since his last visit. So the assumption is that what was it? Uh, planet Fire. But what was the name of the actual planet? Yeah, I haven't seen Planet uh, Fire in a long time, probably since since the last time I saw Invasion of Time <laughs> before before uh, this review. Right. It was called uh, the Planet of Fire. Fire Planet. That's the name of it. <laughs> no, it was. Um, it was Thurlow's home planet, wasn't it? No, it was actually the prison planet where Thurlow's people were sent. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, answers on the back of a poster. <laughs> yes, but so, yeah, filming will take place in Lanzarote. And from what Stephen Moffat said, it may be uh, linked to uh, Planet of Fire. So, Interesting. They, I'm not sure. The maybe they planet. didn't. Maybe they didn't actually name the planet on on the on the show. Yeah, it was called Siren. Oh, okay. Siren, I say Siren. Siren. I'm 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 so sorry. You're sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. You're you're sorry, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and we'll have a Sartaran later to to um to fill in the gaps there. So I don't know whether this is going to be a, a you know how much is going to be linked in you know all all we've heard is what Stephen Muffet said and yeah. we all know that Stephen Muffet lies. So it could be a sequel to Planet of Fire, but not necessarily. We, we know that it's at least the production team is shooting in the same location, which is a, an, an island of Spain, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. And that's where they shot Planet of Fire, and um, we're, we're assuming it has to do with the same storyline because you know he implies that you know with there's been sinister, sinister changes since his last visit, meaning the Doctor's last visit. So, um, but also we don't know whether Lanzarote is doubling for Siren or is it doubling for something else, say Pompeii or yeah. you know some other planet. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't like to say, "Oh, we're going back to Sarn," because you never know. Yeah, well, we'll find out. It adds yep. a little mystery, a little something. Time will tell. It always does. It always does. All right. Next up with news, it's back to Lister Penny. Well, if you want to feed that Doctor Who hunger that, you know, during this stretch of time before the new episodes are hitting the the television sets, wherever that may be, um, wherever you're located, that is. Uh, if you want to uh, fill it in with other adventures, you can uh, enjoy Doctor Who comic books. They're um, comic books featuring all, um, I believe, all 12 Doctors that are available in a bundle and this is a name your own price bundle, and it's um, it's it's a uh, it's an I don't know if you want to call it an event, but it's 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 a promotional item that will also um, benefit a couple charities as well. And um, I guess what I'll do instead of me explaining it, I, this is a little audio that announces the bundle and, and tells you what it's about. Humble Bundle and IDW are proud to present. The Humble Doctor Who Comics Bundle. 
from Gallifrey to you. This bundle has more comics than you can shake a sonic screwdriver at. That's over 60 issues featuring all 11 of the Doctor's previous incarnations. Pay what you want for Doctor Who Series 1 featuring the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, and Series 2 featuring the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. You'll also receive Doctor Who Legacy for Android with 10 Doctors you'd normally have to pay for pre-unlocked, about a $10 value. Beat the average price and get Doctor Who Series 3, 16 more issues featuring Matt Smith. Pay $15 or more and also receive the three-volume series Doctor Who Prisoners of Time, featuring all 11 Doctors, and the 2013 special issue The Girl Who Loved Doctor Who. In this special meta-issue, the Doctor lands in the present time to find his adventures chronicled on TV and passed off as mere fiction. And don't forget, a customizable portion of your purchase will go towards Doctors Without Borders and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. The Humble Doctor Who Comics Bundle, presented by IDW, because it sounds like you need a doctor. And you can find more about that at humblebundle.com slash books. If you want to find out more information about that, and, and that's not an ad. We, we just did that. We, I played that for uh, the newsworthiness of it. Cool. Actually, this is the first time I've heard of uh, Humble Bundle, but they do it uh, for other things too. Once you're there, if comic books aren't, aren't your thing, uh, they do have uh, uh, software and, and other and other such things. I don't know what they have from day to day, but. Uh, uh, it says uh, the humble. Look at the humble daily bundle. It's fourteen days of bundles. At the moment, they've got uh, three three games for the PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've and seen basically it. Basically, it's it's pay what you want, but the more you pay, if you pay for this one, if you pay more than ten dollars, you get extra bits. You know, mm-hmm. so it's uh, they do it in stages. Uh, the, the first one, if you you pay you know fifty cents and you get X three uh, Terran conflict. But if you pay over the average, which is whatever, I guess it's the average that's set by people donating, you get Universe Sandbox and so on and so forth. It's the same with the comics. Um, as I said, you, the more you give, the more you get. So it's, uh, I think it's quite unique. Um, yeah, I've, worth a look at, you know. I've done this with, with software, um, you know, like with Mac software, there are different bundles that you can, sometimes there are uh, different um, companies that offer these bundles that, have various different um, software packages put together. And usually what happens is that they have extra bonus stuff that is unlocked after a certain amount of purchases are made. So um, it, it encourages you to sort of like tell other people about it and to get more people, you know, buying this bundle because then the more people buy it, then the more more will be added to it. And I believe um, that's similar to what's going on here as for, you know, um, you know, here, if you're beating the average price, it's sort of an incentive to give more. You, you'll get more. This is fantastic. I love it. I've actually already, um, uh, while I'm not huge into comics, uh, I have uh, signed up to be notified of what the bundles are every day. So, hey. Cool. And I, so I love a good bundle. correct myself that the, the 12th Doctor isn't represented in it yet you know I, I jumped the gun before i said all 12 doctors i should have said all 11 doctors i'm getting ahead of myself yeah is, is dave still awake 
Yeah, yeah it's getting just, late. Just yeah. nudge him quick. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. He's, he's nodding off, you know. He's old folk. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that point, I think that's... so humble am I. That wraps up the news, so what we'll do is... Um, I, I do have one... Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Quick extra piece that I didn't put in the... See, that's why we have this plan of, of what we're going to talk about, because, you know, it gives us... Everybody had an idea of where we're going. We don't um, need no plans. Karen, Karen... I don't know oh, yes, I've okay. been away for a bit. This is Karen a, Gillen, selfie uh, thing. ABC pilot selfie has been commissioned for a full series. Uh, the American sitcom is based on uh, My Fair Lady with uh, Gillen playing uh, Eliza Dooley, uh, 20-something who pays more attention to her online persona than professional image. Um, and it's written by Subordatories' uh, Emily Kepnick uh, uh, and, uh, and also stars uh, John Cho as uh, marketing expert Henry. So there you go. Yeah. She's going to be on TV. In the States. Oh, well. <laughs> I know oh, she wanted, cool. you know, back when she was on Doctor Who, I know she had voice that she wanted to be on, was it commu- Community? I was going to say Communion. But mm. no, commu- I don't know if she ever was on it, but I, I heard that show has been um, axed. So if she didn't get on it, yeah. she she's, doesn't, you know, unless they bring it back, she won't be on it. But she has this other thing now. And she was in that movie uh, recently, too, where, she, um, you know, that required her to uh, shave her head and she was blue I think it's yeah it's uh, one of the new uh, Marvel movies um, yeah one of those oh on my head now <laughs> well just google uh, Karen Gillan blue bald and you should find it blue bald <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> And don't blame us. Whatever the search bar we're, we're behaving ourselves here. Oh, you may want to have your 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 filters on. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what that might bring you. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> oh my. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, she's playing Nebula. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's the one. There you go. All right. Thank you, Ian. I, I meant to add that to the to the lineup, and I had forgotten. Um, it might yeah, I knew, I knew you did. So might have been a self conscious thing, but with the, with, the, with the title of that series, I, I take self portraits. I don't take selfies. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've already mentioned on a previous show the the, the David Tennant news about uh, you know Grace Point being the you know the American version of Broadchurch, uh, the American drama. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just a reminder of that. Yep, that is coming out soon. And um, apparently, from what I think it is, David Tennant has said that uh, the, the ending is going to be di- they've changed the ending. I, th- I think they would have to really to yeah. keep the suspense up. But yeah. I did so see the trailer. To be able it, to sell uh, it back to the UK. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Well, um, didn't they do that? Uh, well. No, it didn't work out well for Life on Mars when they changed the ending, but there you go. <laughs> uh, they had to kind of spring that ending. Uh, I don't know if that was what they were planning on. Anyway, we're... we're, we're uh, I did down. see the trailer for it, though, and it looks remarkably uh, like the UK version in terms of the, the, the various characters that they introduce in the trailer. And uh, David Tennant seems to have a uh, mastered his uh, American accent... Uh, 
Yeah, so it bodes well. I'm not terribly convinced by his American accent, but are you not? All oh, right. Uh, so, so so says the New Zealander. Yeah, so says the Kiwi who speaks like an American. <laughs> All right. Well, Kiwis aside, we'll uh, we'll be back. That that, that concludes the, any other news I, before I wrap up the news. I, I got a bow ready. Dave is still awake. Yes, okay. I'm still awake and I'm drinking. All right. Movie at eleven. Okay. So we'll be back with our review of Invasion of Time right after this. This is Peter Davison, and you're listening to the Doctor Who Podshock. So you reach the portion of the show where we usually make, well, we're, we usually normally always make a recommendation of an audio book that you can get via Audible. As you know, if you're a longtime listener to Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. But most importantly, science fiction and Doctor Who. But but that's not all. They also have business romance, comedy, thrillers, well, you name the genre, Audible has it. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check them out, check out their service. And if you decide it's not for you, don't worry about it. You can cancel anytime. Keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachock for your free audiobook. And if you're driving or you just can't go to that URL right now, no worries. Go to our website, pachock.net. You'll find links to it there. Again, pachock.net or audibletrial.com slash podshock. And our recommendation for this week, as always, we try to do something that ties into, if we are reviewing a, a, a Doctor Who story, try to do something that sort of ties into that. And in this Doctor Who podshock, we're reviewing Invasion of Time, Doctor Who, The Invasion of Time, which is uh, Louise Jameson, who plays Leela. It's her last story. It's also um, when she first meets the Centaurans as well. And... So, in that spirit, our pick for our Audible selection is Doctor Who Horror of Fang Rock, which is also a, a Leela story with the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker. And this time, she's not meeting the Sontarans. Um, she's uh, meeting the Sontarans, um, their ancestral enemies, a Rutan in this story. It takes place in a lighthouse, and the people there are being picked off one by one. And the Doctor and Leela arrive there and um, try to uh, resolve the mystery of what's going on here. So uh, let's hear a little bit of that from right now. And this is a a audio book that's based on um, audio from the actual television episode. So there's actual dialogue and sound effects and everything from from the episode with uh, linking narration by Louise Jameson, who I said this is her last story that we're reviewing later in this episode, Invasion of Time. And this is the year before, 1977 story, Horror of Fang Rock. Let's hear a little bit from it right now. Way around the lamp, but it's only Ruben. Time line boiler was so boy. 
Vince gulps nervously. Yeah, Ruben. You don't really think what happened before, back in the 20s? You don't really think it's happening again, do you? There's three of us, there were three of them, two dead and one man. And Ben's dead, isn't he? Boiler boy. Reuben pats his arm. <laughs> You're shaking too much to lift a shovel. You stay here, boy. I'll do it. If you're sure. I'll do it if you like. But Vince's relief is obvious. Reuben gives him a kindly wink and leaves. In the crew room, the doctor is holding court. Understand this. No one, but no one, is to leave this lighthouse for any reason. Is that clear? No, it's not clear. Mysterious mumbo-jumbo. Just what is this threat that's supposed to be lurking outside? You've seen it, then. The beast's back. What beast? There's always death on this rock when the beasts are burned. That preposterous rubbish. What is the fool saying? I'm saying it's happened before. It'll happen again. Superstitious idiot. But Reuben has gone. If we're expected to take notice of some fisherman's tale... Silence! Leela draws her knife. You will do as the doctor instructs or I will cut out your heart. The doctor smiles slowly. You heard what she said. Doctor, it's getting cold again. He goes to the door and looks out onto the staircase. You sure? Yes. Last time it came like this. Like a cold wave. You're right. I don't feel anything. Leela's senses are particularly acute. And if she says it's getting colder, it's getting colder. What's going on? It's Adelaide. Nothing for you to worry about. Yet. Returning from the crew quarters upstairs. Suddenly the lights flicker. Down in the generator room, Reuben is shoveling coal into the furnace. As the lights dim, he checks the various dials, but there's nothing obviously wrong. Then the lights brighten and burn steadily again. Reuben smiles and shakes his head despairingly. Electricity. He puts the shovel down and walks around behind the boiler to get some more coal. He stops for a moment to gaze sadly down on Ben's remains and crosses himself. Then he opens the door to the coal hole and steps inside. In the crew room... I don't understand. Lord Palmerdale, what is happening? Nothing, my dear. Absolutely nothing is happening here. The lights go out. What the devil is that? Doctor Who Horror of Fang Rock with Louise Jameson as Leela and Tom Baker as the Doctor, who the fourth Doctor. And that could be your selection. doesn't have to be. You could choose whatever you like. We're just making these suggestions. Uh, that could be your free audiobook. To get your free audiobook today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And once again, if you can't go to that URL right now, go to our website, podshock.net, and you'll be able to find links to it there, too, for the Audible offer. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this selection also has a special bonus. It has an interview with Louise Jameson. Uh, she's, uh, she recalls her time as Leela on the show, so that's something else added to this selection as well that you'll probably enjoy. And 
and we're back with Doctor Who Patrick and joining uh, also, you know, continuing. I, mean, I can't say joining us because they, they, they've been here is uh, Dave and Ian um, and myself. Did I did I introduce myself at the top of the show? My, I'm Louis Trapani, by the way. I, you know, in hindsight, you I, are. Yeah, I you know, in hindsight, I, I think I failed to mention that. You know, I was so uh, excited to have Dave and Ian with us uh, that I. Yeah, what are you doing on Dave and Ian's show? What am I yeah. doing on this show? I often ask myself Welcome that. to the Cold and Glacier podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you're using a special guest, Lewis I've been absorbed. I've been assimilated into the cultum. <laughs> All right. Well, I, 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 I can say I'm, assimilated. I'm, I'm not wearing any Google Glass, so I'm, I'm, I haven't been assimilated yet. So as promised, we do. We are having a review, and as always, what um, you know we like to do before we start a review is um, this. Spoilers! Spoilers! Again! Spoilers! 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 All right. So Spoilers. you get the idea. Spoilers. There will be spoilers, spoilers if you haven't seen. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Invasion of Time, which is a um, a Doctor Who story that dates back to, um, gee, this goes back to what, 1970, was it 1978 was this transmitted? Yes. February 4th yeah. uh, to the 11th of March, 1978, which is a um, actually a significant story because it's, um, it's, it's the first time we're back at Gallifrey after it's been re-envisioned and reimagined from the Deadly Assassin. This is the... Uh, the first story after we've we've seen the this um, I, I guess reimagined might be the best word for it because before that the images of Gallifrey were quite different and since then it's this has been pretty much the, um, the you know the, the how Gallifrey now is since been represented you know with this this motif that was established um, back then. Yes. And of course it was done for the very highest artistic reasons. They hadn't got much money, so they reused the props and costumes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we should say that this was, um, it's a six-parter, and it was, um, originally there, there was another story that was commissioned at the time, which had cats, cat people in it, and um, I, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the, of, of the story. It was um, Killer Cats of... Um, the killer, the the killer cats of Jensen, Jensen, if I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, th- that story uh, didn't come to be. It just, uh, um, you know, it, it felt it felt that it didn't capture the essence of Doctor Who. And what happened was that this was quickly rewritten by quote David Agnew unquote. And I say that in quotations because it's a name that's used. Um, it was used in you know in the credits, but it's a um, it's not actually a real person. It's sort of like Alan Smith or Alan Smithy, if you will, um, in in movies and television. When that's used as a director, is when um, when when it's directed by someone that wants to ha- have their name taken off uh, of the project. Now, this wasn't the case here. It was just that um, this was actually written by Graham Williams and Anthony Reed. And at the time, it was sort of frowned upon when the producer of the series, which Graham Williams was at the time, you know, actually does the writing as well. At, you know, now it's sort of, you know, we have 
Stephen Moffat is the lead writer and producer. So, but back then it was different. You know, instead of giving both credits to Graham Williams and Anthony Reed, they just used the name David Agnew. So, it's sort of a bit like um, Ronnie, Ronnie Barker in comedy. He used to, he used to write uh, and submit uh, comedy sketches for his show because he didn't want uh, his comedy sketches to be actually accepted uh, because it, he was writing them. So he wrote them under a pseudonym. And people say, oh, this is a great writer, this chap, not knowing that it actually was uh, uh, Ronnie Barker writing under this pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, is just a pseudonym that was used. And um, But it was written very quickly and hastily because, you know, uh, like I said, they, they had this other story that was commissioned originally, and then um, they couldn't really go forward with that. So um, they... they both of these gentlemen, I think, stepped forward and, um, you know, you know, did like all nighters writing and rewriting and to to come up with the story. And it's it's an it's an it is an interesting story. I mean, we do like I said, it is significant in the respect that we do see get we're back at Gallifrey again, and um, it sort of propels forward what was already established the last time we were at Gallifrey and. Um, and we get to see, um, well, we get to see more of the TARDIS, which is at, at up until that point we hadn't really seen much of, you know, except for the main console room. Um, though, speaking of which, when we do see the console room here, it does look kind of cramped, especially because there's the way the lighting is in this story, the shadows, the, the, the character shadows, be it the Doctor or Lilo, who, whoever happens to be in the TARDIS at the time, um, is cast on the back walls, and you, you really get to a, a feeling how close-quartered the TARDIS console room is compared to, you know, um, what we see today or, or going back to William Hartnell, you know, Unearthly Child, the, the console room was huge at that point, but, you know, in comparison. Right. Uh, I suppose the Panopticon uh, setup was uh, taking a lot of the stage space as well. Yeah, that, and then they did a lot of location shooting that used that was used as, um, you know, fill-in for instead of building new sets and um, you know, I, I guess we'll talk about that more in a bit. But, um, but you know, before we start our review, let's um, let's hear a little bit. We played a, a clip at the beginning of the show, but let's let's hear a little bit more from. This is um, time, the invasion of time. I'm sorry, not time of the, not time of the Rani, invasion of time. That's the Chancellor's office. Well, I know it's the Chancellor's office. Well, no one goes in there unannounced. Well, announce me. Yes. Forgive the intrusion, sir. An unexpected emergency has arisen. Stop! I am here to claim my legal right. What? I claim the inheritance of Rassilon. I claim the titles, honor, duty, and obedience of all colleges. I claim the presidency of the Council of Time Lords. I believe we have chosen well. Very well. You don't dispute my claim, then? No. Only the arrogance with which you present it. Borussia, how you used to bore me with your interminable lectures on responsibility and duty. Which obviously failed. Mm. You make me regret teaching you anything at all. You taught me nothing. Nothing that instinct couldn't provide better. Then you must trust your instincts. Mm. And you yours, Lord Borussia. I'll do what I can to persuade the cardinals to accept you as their president. I am the president. No persuasion is necessary. Politeness dictates... I am the president. 
Is there another candidate legally? No. That was an unfortunate oversight. Thank you. I meant no disrespect. Oh, yes, you did. Barusa, before you go, another lesson. On what particular subject? The Constitution. You had that at your fingertips last time we met. Yes, and if I hadn't, you would have killed me. Not I. The then Chancellor. Oh, yes. Did you, did you just assume his office? The Council ratified my appointment. Without a president, the Council can ratify nothing. There was no president. And the president-elect was elsewhere. Yes. But my point is... Barusa! You haven't been given leave to depart yet. And until you have been confirmed and inducted as president, I do not need your leave to do anything. The ceremony must take place at once. As soon as... At once! Ah, and obviously the star is Tom Baker as the fourth doctor, uh, Louise Jameson as Leela, and uh, John Leeson as the voice of K-9. Uh, also guest starring is um, what you heard in that clip there was John um, Arnett, who played Chancellor Barusa. And um, what's particularly interesting is that just recently we reviewed um, The Enemy of the World, which uh, had guest starred Milton Johns, and he's back. You know, this was unplanned, but it's a it's a happy coincidence that uh, we happen to review that we're reviewing the Invasion of Time now because uh, he's back here playing Castellan um, um, Kellner. Kellner, yeah. which is a yeah, very but, interesting. But I mean, uh, that, that clip there, John Arnott, uh, really is a, a, a heavyweight. Actor there, mm -hmm. he really is uh, brilliant. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether I think he might be my favourite actor who played Chancellor uh, uh, Barusa. Because uh, I think about four different actors have played that part uh, over the years. Well, I think it's a role that could very easily have gone over the top. An actor could really just you know gone too much overboard with it. But I think what John the the, the, the what's so great that that what John Arnett brings to Arnett I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name uh, brings to the part is that he's very subtle yet you know but there's like so much going like he could just raise an eyebrow and it, there, there's so much that that is you know that that is trans you know, um, relayed through that, you know, and I think he, he does it very subtly, but, um, and, but it, it doesn't lack, you know, I, I think, um, he brings a lot to the part. And like I said, it could have just easily gone a bit over the top, but he didn't. And I think, um, Milton Johns plays a similar, you know, he seems to, I haven't, you know, I've seen him obviously in, um, enemy of the world and here, He's uh, he's playing a you know this. I, I think I think best is uh, Louise Jameson described him. If he had to be an animal, he would be a snake because he was he was very uh, uh, slippery in, in in this year in this story, and it, it seemed very similar to you know his part in um, Enemy of the World. And I, I don't know if he's typecast, you know, playing these um, um, unsavory type of you know characters that seem to. Um, <laughs> Yeah, one of the extras, I think he says it's a homage to Uriah Heep. Um, but uh, just going back to the Barusa character, um, uh, in Deadly Assassin, it was uh, Angus McKay. Uh, obviously, Invasion of Time, John Arnott, is it? Uh, Ark of Infinity, uh, Leonard Sachs, and the Five Doctors, uh, Philip Layton. Mm -hmm. 
But, um, yeah, I, I do agree that this uh, bloke uh, playing uh, Castellan uh, was was very good because he sort of... He, he, he slipped with the uh, wins, didn't he? he? Whoever he thought was going to win, he just... He was he was out for himself. Supposed to be a, of yeah. a no, it's supposed to be of a noble race, and this is one of the things that um, that uh, we find out, doesn't it? That um, whether you think that the the tunnels have come a little bit corrupt or or whatever or degenerated, uh, although there are some people still holding these high ideals, there are one or two others that um, can betray because, uh, like it said in the course of the story. You know, the only way that the force field can come down and and that is to actually um, uh, have somebody uh, aiding and abetting at this point. Or going into the bowels of the BBC uh, boiler room. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> we get to see that boiler room and I think we get to see the hospital boiler room later on as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's an impressive lineup as far as casting goes. And, um, you know, we have, um, well, I, I don't know if we, <laughs> I already gave the spoiler warning. So, I, I you know, I, I guess it doesn't matter if we, if I mention um, th- that in addition to um, that, what we see is the average, initially, let, let's back up. This is a six-parter. And, um, and at the time, you know, and I, I should say that, um, you know, if, if we're reviewing the DVD, it does kind of give away, because at the time, it's sort of set up as a four-parter. If you're watching, like, at, at the time, back in 1978, if you're watching it, if you didn't know if it was six, a six-parter and you're just sort of casually watching Doctor Who, you would think that at the end of episode four, you know, as a typical four-parter, things will wrap up and that's the end and, you know, and the Doctor and Companion goes on their merry way, but at that part, at that point, rather, um, it <laughs> there's a, another cliffhanger and there's more. But wait, there's more. So, um, and and I, you know, we're assuming that you've seen it. So, if I give away the the ending of of who, you know, the surprise that comes in at at the end of episode four is the Santarans. And like I said, if if you hadn't seen it before and you're just watching the DVD, it sort of gives it away because. Um, they have it on the cover, and it's also on the menu screens as well. Indeed. Uh, but another point about the DVD is that it does have an option for, and some DVDs do this with um, some of the older episodes. They have an option for updated effects. And if you hadn't seen this before, and this is the first time you're watching it, let's say you've only seen modern day Doctor Who, you may want to watch it first with the updated effects on, and then go back and. Rewatch it, you know, ha- as it was, you know, seen back in 1978. Uh, that's one thing that's great about these DVDs is that they give you both options that you can, you know, view it either way. And um, and a lot of what's what we might, you know, criticize about this episode falls under um, just the lack of um, resources that they had for the production of this story. So some of the effects really don't hold up that well, you know, today. Them going back and doing enhanced effects, I think does help the story because it does not that I've always said that Doctor Who doesn't you you know it's all about story and characters it's not about the effects but sometimes when if an effect takes you out of a story you know like oh that's you know <laughs> it's a it, you know it's sometimes it's good just to have those enhanced effects in there you know and it uh, I think I just watched it as it was I didn't bother with the uh, those effects I think I tried watching uh 
one before I can't remember what it was it King's Demons or something like that or, uh, it was maybe it was a Sarah Jane adventure perhaps it was Invasion of Time uh, and I think there was some extra effects in that but no I, I just watched it as it was I mean I may well give it another run through at some point in time yeah well, it's just... one of the effects I liked was Hilary Ryan <laughs> God, I stunned them Silence. <laughs> Does she not look like Nicola Bryant? Uh, I just got to ask that. Every time I looked at her, I'm like, look, it looks like she could be related to Nicola Bryant. But could be wrong. Well, what reminded, what made me take took me out of it a little bit was the the hairstyle where she's got her, her hair severely pulled back into like a little uh, bun on the top of her head, mm. and it reminded me of the character in um, Blake 7 that plays an assassin uh, that they meet up with and she had that look. In fact, I, I think she was wearing some Blake 7 costume uh, the, in this. The funny thing about that is um, Hilary Ryan, who um, played um, Rodan in, in, in this uh, story, was actually on the short list for Callie in Blake 7. Ah. So. Well, she was also... Well done, Dave. She was oh, also segue. Nice segue there. a uh, a consideration for the new companion because, you know, at the time they were shooting this, this was going to be um, Louise Jameson's last story, and they were shooting it in a way right. so that they could, so that it wasn't going to be uh, until the last episode, end of episode six, they they still gave her wiggle room to change her mind if she decided to stay. You know, it, it wasn't that the story was sort of building up to it to the point where she leaves. In fact, um, there's a romance that that is going on behind the scenes, which you don't really, well, not be going on behind the scenes. I mean, it's that, that's implied or whatever. It's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. not it's not really there. Screen, is it really? It's not really there at all. No, but it's huh. until the end when that's oh, you know, it's sort of like a surprise hit over, hit, you know, hitting you over the head with it. Um, because and it doesn't really make sense, really, in hindsight. But, um, but the act, you know, Louis Jameson knew and um, and um, Chris um, Trach, uh, Trenchell, who played and um, Andred, Andred, um, who's the love interest to Leela at the at the very end. I mean, both they knew, so they were trying to incorporate hand holding or whatever, trying to incorporate because it wasn't in the script. So they tried to incorporate like. A hint of a romance there, but it doesn't really convey um, in the end. But what I'm getting at is that going back to Hillary Ryan is that um, supposedly she was being considered for you know to take over that part, and that would have been interesting because actually what would have actually been further interesting because we know what happens is that um, is is that uh, Romana comes in. Um, uh, we have um, Mary Tam plays uh, the, the next companion and it would have been interesting if this was the introduction of if instead of um, no offense to Hillary Ryan or the character Rodan but it would have been, would have been interesting maybe if, if it was um, in the story if it was Romana that the doctor had picked up and this is how Romana gets right. uh, put into the into the storyline yeah now, I think I, she would have done a good part she certainly she, she's got that uh, intelligence she has obviously, uh, of Gallifrey in origin. Uh, so, yes, I mean, uh, as much as I admire Mary Tam and uh, what, what, what actually we got, you can see that she's almost a, a prototype uh, mm -hmm. yeah. there of that. But, of course, as I say, there were still 
configuring in, uh, and the uh, the extras the um, on the DVD confirm what what you just said, Lewis. And uh, they were still perhaps hoping that um, Louise Jameson might change her mind. But um, I think she got cast in a play during the course mm-hmm. of yeah. this. So uh, uh, her, her move out was committed. Um, and although she doesn't say so, I mean, uh, uh, Tom Tom probably at this point was feeling as though he could run the show on his own anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if I'm at mis- is Although this- he still needed another robot dog, in he? <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time we see a female Gallifreyan? Um, did we... I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head if she's the first time that that really that's been explored well, certainly in the deadly deadly assassin i don't think there's any females there because we were talking i remember talking with dal dal was talking about how how strange it was you know that uh, there's this civilization that has lifted thousands of years but you never see a woman mm-hmm. um uh so you, you i'm not saying that we haven't seen any but certainly in the deadly assassin i don't think there was any yeah th- I, if i'm not mistaken this was probably the first time a a um a Female Gallifreyan, we don't know if she's a Time Lord. Um, you know, is 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 featured in any substance? You know, in a sub in a substance role. You know, uh, and outside of Gallifrey, of course, the, these people that have rejected their way of life that Romana immediately clicks with, uh, because Rodan. the Doctor, of course, uh, at one point, yeah, uh, he he sends her out because he thinks she'll be safer there. But of course, her first. Thing is, uh, well, she's out there. Let's raise an army and get back in there. Yeah, Leela. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I mean, there's an awful lot to like about it. I must admit, though, uh, I, I found K9, and I know there are a lot of fans of K9. I found K9 a bit of a pain. There was that nice little scene at the beginning, but every time he was moving, it's such a, unless it's my DVD. No, copy. no, it's noisy. But I couldn't believe how loud it was, yeah. the noise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think, well, that's why at the end, see, it, I was kind of struggling with the ending, like, why did K-9 stay at the end? And, you know, and then at the very end of the episode six, we see the fourth Doctor bring out a crate and it says K-9 Mark Two on it and you know but what was the purpose i mean behind production wise they they brought in a new k9 that was quieter you know that was wasn't as noisy but we didn't have i mean he looks the same right so what was the point of doing it on screen like they could have k9 could have just went on the on the you know climbed onto the tardis with the doctor and they could have dematerialized and leave leela behind you know they, they explained she was he was staying behind to protect leela and uh, um but it didn't really seem like there was much of a point to that well, the point is, if the, if the, if there was going to be any fictional, uh, e- even not on TV, but some sort of uh, uh, like the Virgin New Adventures or something. Yeah, but were they thinking of, that uh, in nineteen seventy? Were they thinking that in nineteen seventy-eight? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that, that's something that we might think about today, but I don't know if ni- in nineteen seventy-eight were they. Uh, were the, oh, we got K nine and company. We had K nine yeah, and yeah, company. <laughs> That was was that nineteen eighty two? Which, funnily enough, uh, one of the extras on my on my yeah, that's right. But it's one of the extras on the DVD uh, coming soon. Uh, Canine Company is one of the things on there. <laughs> but um, yeah, but anyway, going back to the actual plot, I mean, uh, I think it looked uh, rather lavish, and uh, uh, although 
it was really the reasons of budget that they kept with the same stylized thing. I think it actually gave a continuity because Deadly Assassin was only a couple of years before, wasn't it? 1976, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So only a couple of uh, years later. Uh, and to say this was a six-part story, I don't think it dragged at all. Maybe there was a little bit of uh, too much running around in part six in the TARDIS. Uh, but uh, the numbers held up pretty well. I mean, 11.2, 11.4 million uh, watching uh, parts one and two, and it only dipped down slightly part three, uh, and picked up, presumably, like you said, with that cliffhanger on part four, almost back up to 11 million. And it was almost 10 million at the end. So um, I think you, you could have easily cut one, uh, one segment out of this. But because uh, there were there were quite a few long corridor shots, I'm not quite sure how they did those because they didn't look as though they were done with mirrors. I mean, it was obviously the same corridor, but um, it has some quite good effects. I think um, apart from K9, the other criticism, and maybe you'll perhaps go to a clip after this, is um, hmm. they they seem to uh, put the humour in a little bit heavy-handed. I thought. I think there was a. I mean, some of the humour was perhaps needed to undercut, but uh, to me, I don't know whether it was Tom sort of uh, off the leash a little bit because the the original script, uh, you know, it was a, a sort of script still in production. And again, they say that and one of the extras that basically uh, the, the director that took over was quite happy to sort of uh, let people uh, give input. And uh, let's face it, if you give an actor a chance to give an input... They're going to they're going to extend their own little part, aren't they? Do an extra flourish on this, that, and the other. Uh, but there seems to be a little bit overbalanced on the comedy for me. I think I would have preferred it if that had just been toned down somewhat. Yeah, that's been, that's been a uh, criticism with the Graham William years is that the comedy sometimes um, would interfere with the with the drama and and you know because there needs to be a balance. You need to have comic relief, but you can't. It can't be too too much. Otherwise, then you can't take the the threat seriously, or the the like I said, the, the drama is uncompromised. All right, well, here's another clip. Gentlemen, this is no ordinary meeting. I am privileged to introduce to you your new masters. Resistance is useless. The Vardens have more power than we have dreamed of and more knowledge than we can hope for. You must admit the way I did when I first met them. And when was that? A long time ago. So you knew about this all the time? You knew about this before your induction? Yes, before that, yes. And all you know is in the Matrix. And all I know is in the Matrix. You be disappoint me, Doctor. I expected better of you. Did you really? Thank you. Resistance is useless. Yes, you heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got to say, it's it's a boring story. And it's 
comes off to me at least is is badly reading this that was kind of a last minute script it really comes off that way um uh the Vardens, you know I think they should have staged shimmery tinfoil because they were even less impressive once they materialized. Well, yeah, they were like, which is like Boy Scouts. They, their uniforms were like these like green Boy Scout uniforms. I'm like, this is this is the Vardens, the the ever fearful Vardens. Is yeah. And, and, the, guy, and the guy who was bossing him around this whole time looks like he's like 15. Yeah, like I Come said, on, yeah. don't do this. <laughs> Like the voice like acting wasn't the, the voice acting wasn't very good either, was it? I mean, I think um, they, they were certainly the second-rate baddies of this storyline. Even the Sontarans are renowned. Doctor, which which has become yeah, a, well, a bit uh, of a he spoke so slowly. <laughs> the, <sighs> I mean, the, I mean, these were nearly as bad as the, uh, the Sontarans from the Two Doctors story, but. Oh. Um, uh, here, here. I mean, one of them had uh, really big eye slits, but the others didn't. Oh. Uh, and I still don't know what what the difference was. And uh, and they seemed a lot taller to me. Now, when did I mean we? The whole point about the Centaurians is they're supposed to be slow and lumbering, and the implication is that they come from a planet that has a, a you know a higher gravity than Earth. Uh, which makes them slightly slow and blundering. And they, of course, they are uh, clones, so they should all look alike. And, and I know they weren't as short as uh, they've now been re-envisions, but they, these guys did seem a little bit tall. I mean, well, it got even worse with the two Doctors. I mean, that was silly. It was like, uh, I don't know, it was like Stan Laurel and, uh, you know... Yeah, that I mean, the the two were completely different. But um, yeah, I didn't particularly. I wasn't convinced with them no. or their makeup. The, the the clip that we just played actually, uh, where he's like, uh, "Let me introduce your new masters." Does it seem odd, but but nobody bat an eyelid as he's saying this. Yeah, I know. You everyone's know, just like, like everyone just kneels. I've called a special meeting. You know, here and, here we uh, got this uh, all powerful. You know, Gallifreyan and Time Lords, yeah. and oh, new masters! Let's let's kneel immediately to them. And yeah, let's uh, kneel. Is <laughs> he saying it? When he kneels, it's like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> well, the point is, of course, if the Lord President kneels, they have to kneel. But they're pres- they're kneeling because he kneels. Right, but I mean, there's no there's no reaction from anybody. It's just they just kneel. Yeah. Uh, there's no like, no shock or no. people like, exchanging looks. Nothing. There's nothing going on. There's it's it's almost like, like it's a routine said, okay, thing. In this scene. You know, meanwhile, yeah. you know, they had, the, the barrier had to be lowered. And this was like, you know, doesn't happen all the time. But they took it, you know, as if it was sort of routine. Oh, we're getting invaded okay. again. <laughs> We're getting new masters. Yay, new masters. And, and then, well, I mean, I suppose if you live hundreds of thousands of years, I mean, all right, we might have a hundred years of domination, but, I mean, that's only part of one lifestyle, isn't it? But you're right. Well, I mean, We're not talking about start. your fantasy life, Dave. <laughs> but uh, that, that and my other, one of my other complaints is uh, too much shouting from Tom Baker. Barossa! Right. Especially in like, <laughs> Yeah, he was definitely let off the leash with this one, I think. Right, and and it, and it's and it's uh, to this advantage because I'm thinking, like as a kid, uh, you're waiting what till episode two till you kind of get lit in on. Well, yes, yeah, you know, the fact that he's not as crazy as he seems. 
or he's not as bad as he seems. But I mean, you know, you got to get the kids buy into this. You know, what's the doctor doing? You know, well, yeah, that, uh, that's another you know thing. I mean, a complaint, if you will, is that it takes a long time before you're you're like Leela in this story, very confused. I mean, obviously, if you've seen this before, you know yeah. what's going on. But and if you're watching it for the first time, or if you, like you said, if you're a kid watching it. Back then, you know, it goes on. The mis- it starts off very mysteriously without any explanation, and, and you know, we learn, you know, later on it's that the doctor couldn't explain because, uh, you know, he needed this like lead-based, um, you know, um, um, well, coverings, coverings, you know, in, in his in the president's uh, uh, office of solitude, yeah. Which act like a Faraday cage to prevent any signals from you know being um, transmitted from there, or whatever, any thoughts and whatever. But anyway, anyway, so but we go for a couple episodes at least, if I don't remember exactly. But like you said, Ian, at least two, maybe yeah. three episodes before we let in on on what's going on. Yeah, and so all this time you're like, the doctor's gone bad. Doctor's gone bad. But he's not. But it's it's you know because uh, yeah they had the the, the the clip we just heard at the end there where that was from the end of part two so that's parts one and two where you know it's not the doctor we're used to and that's I think I think it's a bad move at least that the you know they they should give some hint you know that there's there's a there's a reason why the doctor's doing this yes yeah. because he goes back to his home world and betrays well, the- everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, when, when, to, to be honest, when we said when you know we decided that this one was what we were going to review, I was kind of oh, not this story. But then I forgot that uh, Hillary Ryan was in it, and so things got a little better because <laughs> Rodan's quite pretty. <laughs> so yeah, at least I had uh, at least I had that. I mean, there's a there's a point somewhere later on as well where I mean the doctor threatens to kill Bruce if he doesn't hand the key over, uh, you know. So he's quite ruthless, uh, you know. Certainly not a man who never would in this case. Huh. And I mean, he even uses the D-Mac gun, and you know, it's one of those few moments where the doctor's actually got a gun and purposely shoots somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, here's why a... did she have to be hypnotized to build the gun? Why didn't he just say, could you build me a D-Mac gun? Because <laughs> we're going to need it. No, I'm going to hypnotize you. Thank you. <laughs> that was quite Consciously. clever, though, in a way, because I thought at first, she's not hypnotized at all. You know, it. But then at the end, when, when he, he needs the key off her, he's instructed her only to give it to K-9. Right. Uh, he says, wake up. And then you, you realize that she actually was hypnotized all that time. Yeah. But I just don't understand why she had to be hypnotized to, well, I, <laughs> to building the gun. Maybe it may have something, something to do with the security and uh, it was, I don't know. Yeah, maybe nobody would nobody would knowingly do it. And so I don't know. It, again, it's not it's not very well explained. <laughs> no, well, I'm going to hypnotize you, and um, you, you should just do some stuff while you're under this suggestion. And, and you're going to be assisted by a robot dog. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, indeed. <laughs> but I mean, there, there, there's some, there are good things in here. As I said, Hillary Ryan's one of them. Um, uh, Barusa, great performance yeah, there. Absolutely. Uh, 
And and of course, uh, Castellan Calvin. Yeah, Milton Johns. Milton Johns. Which uh, performance? You know, we mentioned that he was in the Enemy of the World, but he was also in the Android Invasion as well. Right. But uh, oh, we get to see the pool room. And, and yes, uh, we finally. Well, I don't say we finally get to see the pool, but the pool has become a bit of a legendary thing now in Doctor Who fandom. The Tardis yes. swimming pool. So we, we get to see that too, and we see Leela swimming in it. And the everything of Rassilon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We get the the sash. We get the the great the, key. The great the, sash. <laughs> the, Sash, the, key, the, the, the crown, the, the, whatever the, they, they called it, something else. I think. Isn't it the cornet? Which is he's, yeah, he's broken at one point. The cornet. Mm-hmm. He puts it on K nine, and it, it's broke, but miraculously, it, it's it uh, wobbles. A it's bit. repaired later. Yeah. And the great key looks just like a bloody key. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I thought that was rather good yeah. because. Um, he, he, he had this uh, thing on the wall with all these keys on, and the doctor comes. Uh, oh, best place to hide a tree is in a forest. So you think, oh yeah, yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> the most... He's just got a stash in his drawer. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he had got a stash in his drawer. It was actually in the lock of the drawer. In other words, that key was doing yeah. a job of opening and closing a drawer. Therefore, right. you thought that's all that was. Right. That was a key doing a real key. The ones on the wall. You were more likely to think it was them because they were just hanging there doing nothing, except perhaps disguising which one was the real one. A little right. bit like um, Indiana uh, Jones and, and uh, the, the Holy Grail. Indiana Jones, yeah, yeah the, that's exactly what I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, uh, you know, do you go to a very fancy cup? Are they the basic one or what? Yeah, it was a very humble Grail. It wasn't. It wasn't as you know. People would yeah. go to the ornate, the most ornate one or whatever, but it's... No, I think they did that very well. The key um, was that, you know, you would think it would be one of the keys that we mixed into all those keys on that that artwork, you know, behind his desk. And, uh, and that's one of the keys that he does give the doctor at first, and he just tosses it away. Like, he, he knows that the castle would not give him the key right off the bat. Right. Now, I did say that I thought there was too much humour in it, but, uh, I mean, I did like one of the things where the uh, the doctor's looking away to get through this uh, uh, secret compartment and uh, he remembers that Bruce used to say, uh, there's nothing more useless than a voice-acticated... Voice imprint or something. ...door or something. A voice imprint, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, course it wasn't the right voice imprint, but it was the sequence of words that he said. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that worked all right. Except, uh, except trying to get the uh, the uh, the tapestry to come back down when you're done. <laughs> oh, uh, Tom Baker had a bit of problems with that. <laughs> get back down. Here's another clip. Something's wrong. What? Where are your defenses? The transduction barrier's down. But where are your guards? Missing. Exactly. The Doctor! He has betrayed us! What do you mean, Master? He has defected! Kill him! You are now in charge of this rabble! I must have discipline! I shall issue instructions and take control immediately. Hey, 
Suppose he's not in there. Where else could he be? The president's office, I suppose. Lead us there. Expedite immediately. I repeat that under the circumstances, I assume complete authority. The president is to be shot on sight. What is that? Trust me. Here we are. Ready, can I? Now, don't get any ideas. Now, Leela was banished. <laughs> and I, I was just going to say, Leela was banished. It's interesting because the last time the doctor returned to Gallifrey, he didn't take his companion with him. He had to leave um, uh, Sarah. Um, that's, um, uh, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Jane. Jane Smith. Sarah Jane. Uh, you know, back. Drop her off. Yeah, this isn't Croydon. <laughs> but, I bet this but it isn't there. But he, in this case, he brings Leela. And as soon as Leela gets there, we have to banish her because, uh, you know, she wouldn't be able to resist the, the, the thought transmissions of the Vardens, you know, um, if she was to gain any knowledge of what's going on. Right. And, of course, she whistles, Daddy wouldn't buy me a bow wow, but uh, Leela does get a bow wow. Yes. Uh, no, I was going to, was going to say, the, when he says there to K-9 about, you know, don't get any ideas because he's got this power. Um, and we talked about uh, this girl being uh, uh, hypnotised. Uh, when when he asks her for the key back afterwards and he puts the key into this, this, this gun, um, he, the doctor does that, uh, you know, uh, when I've got the power, you know, with this I could have got the power. Now, he doesn't exactly do the fluttering eyelids one that he's done before. I've got the power. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is, as well, isn't there a couple of scenes where Tom, uh, sorry, where the fourth doctor breaks the fourth wall? Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, there's the scene at the end where, yeah. speaking of K9, when he brings out the, the, K, the crate with K9 Mark II on it, and then he looks at the you know, looks at the audience, I guess, you know, looks at the camera and, and grins. No, but there's the... There's the ever-famous... Yeah, the ever famous, uh, yeah that's the, the one. Sonic screwdriver will get me out of this. Yes, yeah. Which was an ad lib by Tom Baker himself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and um, just looking at uh, the uh, TARDIS wiki, yeah. um, what we were discussing before about Rodan... Uh, it, it does say on there that Rodan is the first female Gallifreyan to appear on screen since ah, Susan okay. Foreman more than a decade earlier. Yeah, well, of course, Susan Foreman, so there? We, we, we failed to, uh, to mention her before, yes. So this is the first time we see a, a female Gallifreyan. On Gallifrey. On Gallifrey. Yep. Um, did anybody spot while I was watching that story... Um, just this this girl at the end of the corridor calling out for the doctor. No, what? Say that again. Swore I saw her in there. Oh, there was a there was a girl at the end of one of the corridors calling out for the doctor. A, a, a like a you young girl. Reason? Yeah, a young girl. Yeah. Hmm. I think her name was Clara or something. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you had me there for I'm like I'm gonna have to I, I watched it a couple yeah, times, you know. I'm gonna have to watch it again now. <laughs> uh, yeah, a version of 
Clara, of course, you know, from the name of the Doctor, we see her standing at the, the end of a corridor calling after the Doctor. It's actually taken from um, uh, from the story. So are they going to, like, re-release all the DVDs now? That's put all, right. Put all the Clara oh, parts in, in the stories? That's... Yeah, put all the Clara parts. <laughs> See, I don't remember her being That's that. That's another take. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 not, they're not redoing... They're not... Uh, they, didn't, they haven't found uh, old missing episodes. What they're doing is they're going through all the, the ones that they do have, and they're putting Clara on all of them. <laughs> oh, perhaps that's why they're going back to Lanzarote, Ian. There you go. She'll appear in the uh, numismaton gas chamber right behind the master and go, excuse me, tap on the shoulder and push him out. That's how he got out of it. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) He gets pushed out. That's how it happened. Mark my words. Yeah, and um, have we uh, actually uh, given our little... uh, Reference to why we were talking about uh, coming from a disused mental hospital. We, we mentioned well, the pool and so yeah, on, but um, yeah. uh, a lot of those scenes were actually filmed. Uh, at the the TARDIS interior sh- um, that we see explored in this story is, for the most part, is um, is shot on location at a uh, disused mental hospital, <laughs> which. Um, it's kind of funny, though. At the time, it's it's a little just. Dis- I mean, the the theory, the thinking is that you know, as we see with the TARDIS exterior, it's um, it could take on any form it pleases, um, because you know, so, so the same could be true for the inside. So when you see the brickwork and all that of of this uh, mental hospital, it's it's supposed to be the TARDIS interior now. Um, not all of it. Now, like the pool scene was somewhere else, and there's another scene where, uh, where we're in a, um, um, you know, with, with there's all these plants, and um, there's a, a big um, Audrey two plant that eats people, and <laughs> that's actually some yeah. that's that's at, that's at Q Gardens at an arboretum or something. From little Little Shop of Horrors, yeah, Little something. Shop of Horrors yeah. reference there. Yeah, right. So th- th- not when everything was at the mental hospital. Room, I thought it right when it first went into that room. Before I saw the pool and that, I thought, oh, it's the cloister room they've gone into. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It looks a lot like the cloister room that pops up in. Uh, but what they, I, I felt what they could have done was maybe you know because they have these uh, you know those um, roundels walls you know maybe put up a few of those you know because you know, they're trying to save costs of, re- of building all these TARDIS sets they, so they shot you know on location and all that but maybe put a few roundels here and there just to kind of tie it all in what they did do as far as audio goes right. was they, they kept the TARDIS hum going on all those th- during all these scenes so mentally it puts you in the mindset that you're still in the TARDIS. So I'm glad they did that. But it would have been nice to maybe have seen a little roundel here and there. Now, during this production, John Nathan Turner is the floor manager. He's not a producer here, but when he is the producer, that's one of the changes he makes. When anytime we do see the TARDIS, other rooms and hallways and corridors of the TARDIS, it always had a consistent look to it. So he put the columns, those white columns and, and roundels throughout. Anytime you see, you know... Um, you know, another companion's room, you know, or the zero room or whatever, you know, so it had a consistent look to it. Yeah. Well, well, again, I think this industrial strike had a bearing on this because, yes, you yeah. know, they'd moved, they'd, they found these locations because they didn't think they could have the sets built 
and then the industrial strike got resolved either before production hour, just as they were starting. They got basically constructed within the the, the external sites, the St Anne's Hospital, was it, or something like that, where they'd done it. Also, uh, the uh, building for British Oxygen, which um, which is no longer there. That was the uh, the swimming pool scene. I don't know why they had all those uh, uh, those things in the water, all those uh, blow up. Finish your thought, please. Finish your thought. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say blow up. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. She carries her own buoyancy system, doesn't she? So that's all right. (laughs) Dear, dear, dear. Can't take you anywhere. Uh, I've almost finished my wine now, Ian. You'll be safe soon. (laughs) My cider's long gone. (laughs) No, now what were you saying? I was saying... But what they're after is the rod of Rassilon, the sash, and above all, the great key. These three together, linked into the matrix, provide the sum total of time lord power. That's what they want. There is an alternative, Excellency. What is it? I believe I can bypass the safety circuits. Hand. Hand. Load of junk. What is? This. It's my TARDIS you're talking about. There you are. Look, there's the arrow head, arrow wings, arrow shaft. Why, it's a perfect Sontaran formation. Yes. Why an entire battle fleet? Doesn't matter. The defence screens are up again. <laughs> you haven't seen what a Sontaran battle fleet... Are you sure? As long as this TARDIS remains secure, you control the defence screens. As long as the TARDIS remains secure. Better. Much better, Time Lord. He's reversed the stabiliser, Banks. But that's impossible. Only a Time Lord could do that. Criminal Time Lord. I'm told. I'm sure it wasn't a six-sided white point star or something, but yes, a black star. Uh, and yes, you got you got to hear uh, Milton Johns there as Castellan uh, with his um, uh, his Uriah Heap impression, somewhat. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, the, uh, and store we have the they have the other part as well, where um, when the pl- his plan goes awry uh, and the Doctor brings this uh, gun to bear on him. He he, come, he has this detonator thing, which actually slightly seems to be overplayed because he said he said something like, "If this goes off, it would destroy the whole galaxy. Not just the, not just the planet and the nearby solar system, but the whole galaxy." You know, the doctor says to him first, "You didn't realise you'll die too," and he says, "Yeah." But then he goes on, uh, you know, that Strax and one like Strax would now say, you know, uh, to you know, the glory of dying in war are are the one that was in the uh, the 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 poisoned uh, sky, was it? The uh, you know, mm. uh, where where you know the the uh, to die in battle is their great a little bit like Klingons. Um, right. Yeah. A bit like what today is a good day to die. You yeah. Know? I hope pain is something you enjoy. Yeah. Um, Derek Dedman plays Store here, who's does the Doctor 
voice. Yes. <laughs> Not too well said. They were ugly. It's hard to believe that they're pretty ugly. Some tarns, these, when he took his mask off, I mean, they were, they were funny, bushy eyebrows and... Not beardy, but sort of very... I mean, <laughs> it makes the modern take on them look rather almost friendly-like, doesn't it? Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's the thing that I, you know, I fear might have happened now with Strax, is that you know he's become so friendly and, and adds such comic relief to Doctor Who that it's now kind of hard to take the Santarans seriously again unless you know they have a new story where you know they prove themselves as a... You know, um, you know, an adversary race again. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, do you want me to get the mind worm, Lewis? Yes. <laughs> what are these gauntlets doing here? All right. Well, we got it. Uh, I've been run over by a carriage. Occupied with Sontarans? Yes, Sontarans, darling. What did you say? I said, don't get excited. I'm not getting excited. I'm not getting. What is it? You are getting excited. I'm... No, I'm not. <laughs> Finally, Leela hushes yeah, I think the, the doctor. The comedy works in that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the comedy works well there. I think it was just sprinkled a little bit too liberally. Throughout the uh, the story, yeah, there's another that, similar just, scene, just did, like with with deja vu, and it's, it's sort of they were actually taken off on a Monty Python sketch where you know um, they, they kept on you know going into the, you know walking in the same areas over and over again and, and having uh, you know deja vu spells. All right, well, um, as we said, this is the um, this is the farewell story for Louise Jameson as Leela. And uh, you wouldn't know that watching it until the very last <laughs> couple minutes of episode six. Second. Ta-ta, everybody. Come on, Lila. Come on, what's the matter? I'm staying. Staying? Here? Why? Ah, I see. I hope. That yes, I'm sure you do hope. She'll look after you. She's terribly good with a knife. Come on, canine. Negative. I remain. 
Here. Affirmative. Why? To look after the mistress. Doctor. Yes. I will miss you. I'll miss you too, Savage. You can hear how loud K9 is there. <laughs> yeah. With those gyros and motors going. But, I, you know, obviously back then they weren't doing looping, they weren't doing audio looping after the product, you know, in post-production. They were, shoot, they were shooting, they were recording audio while they were shooting, you know, uh, vi- well, video right. or, or shooting film, as it were. In this story, they used both. But I, as I said earlier, they could have just kept K9. We would be none the wiser, you know. Okay, they'll have acquired a prop, but I mean, it, it essentially, it looks the same. So right. I, I didn't understand why they went through the trouble of, unless Dave, like like what Dave said, maybe they had some inkling back then of maybe doing a spin-off of K Nine. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just seems a little bizarre in hindsight. There must be more to it that we we don't know about. Yeah. Period. Period, indeed. Well, I, I think Ian brings up a lot of valid points from um, what he had said earlier. I think um, it, this story was sort of rushed and put together at, at the last minute, and um, I think it suffers a little bit of that. But also from the production-wise, it's just you know they they didn't have a lot of money. The thing with the budget is that they have to they they could have ended they, they didn't have to do the six-parter. And they could have, um, you know, ended the series then. And the thing is that they were allocated so much money to do so many stories. And if you don't use that money, then the next time, next series, you'll get only up until that, that the funds will only go up to the point to where you were in this point. So they had to do this. Otherwise, they'll be um, penalized next year. They won't wouldn't get enough funding that they really needed to do the full series. So, um, but it's, it's sort of, you know, like Dave had mentioned, we went back to Gallifrey, so they were able to use the same costumes again. And they had that, you know, that, you know, they didn't have that expense. They did some, they did a lot of shooting on location for the TARDIS interiors using multiple locations, um, you know, to save the cost of building all those sets and all that. Like I said, I, I wish they maybe just threw some roundels here and there just to give some visual consist- consistency that it was the TARDIS. But, you know, luckily we had the audio there. Um, those uh, shimmering tinfoil um, Vardons really, you know, <laughs> didn't really come off too well. So that's why I said, you know, uh, if you have the DVD, maybe, you know, watch it first with the updated effects because they really they really did a good job with the effects on the DVD doing the updated ver- version of it. Um, not only just the Vardens, but also like um, the Stasers, when they shoot, the actual, there's actually a beam now. And um, it, 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 I mean, you, you watch them both and you can see the comparison. So like I said, the production really lets down um, Invasion of Time and, uh, and, you know, and so does some of the story and some of the writing. And as Dave had mentioned, some of the uh, humor sometimes gets in the way too. But um, in hindsight, it's an important story only because, like I said, it does pick up where 
Deadly Assassin leads leads lead, left off in a sense. You know, it continues that story that um, the visual sense of what Gallifrey is, and also that the the, um, the Time Lords weren't you know aren't all perfect, and um, you know we can see this Castellan don't ever trust the Castellan as we see in this story here. Some of that 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 continues on from that was established in the Deadly Assassin. So and going this point forward, every every time we see Gallifrey, we that similar visual motif is used again. And obviously this is Leela's last story, so that plays a part in it. But it's very disappointing that how it all ends. It's a big surprise. You don't you know, you watch you go through six stories, six parts rather, and you get to the end and like, oh, <laughs> is she staying? Because there's some sort of connection between him and uh, between her and um and um and um Andred, who who's um one of the Gallifreyan guards, one of the you know in the and- uh, Andred Muslim. <laughs> Actually, when the doctor said, when, when watching it, it sounds like almost the, the doctor is saying Adric, because he says Andred, Andred is how he he pronounces it. So every time he says Andred, I, it sounds like he's saying, and, and um, uh, never mind. Andred. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so what I'm, I'm giving it... Um, I'm giving it three out of five Tardis groans. Like I said, uh, it's good to see that we got to explore the Tardis, even though it's it's disappointing, at, you know, visually because it doesn't really connect very well. Doesn't really have that Tardis feel to it, other, I mean, other than the hum of the Tardis and all that. But um, you know, understanding that there were constraints of budget and all that, you know, putting that into consideration. Um, but you know, so we got to see that we, we, we see the Santarans again. Uh, not that they're we learn that much more about them, you know. But it's um, you know, and and we see Gallifrey under threat and um, invaded, and um, you know, so there, there's that that cliffhanger at episode four. If you if you're watching it for the first time and you didn't know, you know, you think it's wrapping up. That's a big that that would be a big to do, but. Um, but as I said before, it takes, it's very mysterious at first. It takes a while before you learn what's going on, perhaps too long. And, um, you know, I, I think it stalls a little bit there. And um, like I said, you know, I, I, I think I pretty much said everything I needed to say. So I'll give it three out of five Tardis Crones. All righty. Um, I'm not going to be nearly so nice. Um, there's just a lot in this that just annoys me. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the acting. There's some great acting in it, but there's also a lot of just terrible acting. Actually, I'm not sure if it's terrible acting or terrible direction. Uh, the aforementioned scene of, of you know, bow down before your your masters. Nobody mm-hmm. bets an island. I'm guessing nobody was told to bet an island. Um, uh, do like the bit of uh, bit. Of, Bit of comedy with the, the the keys trying to get into the TARDIS, but still a bit kind of. Uh, I, I think it's done for uh, a laugh. Is that the key the doctor's, that fits the Doctor's TARDIS is on this big, <laughs> this huge almost hamburger shaped um, mm-hmm. piece of like plastic with this tiny little key on the other end. <laughs> And they have trouble trying to figure it. Oh, this bit goes in there. Oh dear! So technically minded are the Time Lords. Those old Type uh, Forty Tardises. It's oh, yeah. 
it's yeah, it's I mean, a. I didn't think that. But... What? Well, I thought that was like a, a you know, a, like the equivalent of a skeleton key that would yeah. fit any child's right, key. No, you I put just it in it and it would shape itself to fit the lock. Oh no! It's just you can see I'm a, whether it's supposed to be that or not. I don't know, but if, you know they're kind of trying to. Yeah, they're touching it up against the thing, and then they just turn it, and they see the thing on the end, and they stick it in there and, and turn it. Um, it's overly long. This could do with being a four-parter and take out one of the enemies, whether it be the, the Vardens or the, or the Santarans. I don't care which, really. Um, at least the Santarans were a bit more menacing than, than the Vardens. The Vardens just came off as... Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose they were they were being used uh, uh, just as much as the doctor was. So, you know, um, it was it was an, a neat little kind of cliffhanger thing where you know you think the story is done and, and you know the evil aliens have been vanquished. No, there's more. But wait, there's more. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to give it, and I'm being generous, two Totus groans. Um, uh, I think if if it, if it had been four uh, episodes only, it, I'd probably rate it higher. But it's just it just goes on for too long, and and it was no real reason. There's a lot of corridor running. I know it's Doctor Who. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> and and back and forth, you know, between rooms. Oh, into this room. Now out of this room. Now let's go over here. Now let's come back here again. Let's lock myself in the room again. Um, but yeah. Uh, a lot of complaining from me. So we'll we'll end on a high note, right? What we, Dave? Well, somewhere in the middle, certainly. Uh, I mean, I, I rate it better than that, uh, but it wasn't. It, it didn't gel completely as a story. I mean, we had to have the uh, that uh, unknown uh, attackers at the beginning because the the only reason why the Doctor had gone along and appeared to be sort of helping them was because at this point he suspected that, that, that they weren't the real uh, people behind this uh, attack on, on Gallifrey. And uh, it, it, part of the plot was, of course, he was trying to triangulate where the signal was coming from. In other words, the home planet of uh, who, who, whichever race it was that was trying to know. We also know, if we all go all the way back to, um, well... I can't remember which story. It may even be as far back as the uh, the war games. That um, you know, the um, there are other races that want the secret of time. Well, uh, they they don't want to actually you know uh, take over Gallifrey and the planet in itself. Uh, they want their their knowledge. It's the knowledge that they they uh, they have in terms of. Uh, uh, you know the secret of uh, time travel and so on. We know the Daleks have uh, uh, some time travel capabilities, and uh, other other races are trying to get it too. Um, but Gallifrey stands, and I say that because um, there's some little key things in here, isn't there? Like you know, uh, resistance is futile. Uh, one or two little points like that that make it. We do have Leela separated from the Doctor for some part, which at least means she has some scenes where she has to carry the scene without the Doctor. Uh, she's quite successful when they're outside 
the city. She shows that she's in her element there. She challenges the leader. She shows that, you know, she's uh, uh, their uh, uh, equivalent uh, enough so that uh, even though they've rejected all that Gallifrey stands for, they go back into the city to try and help. We see the different ideas, and you're quite right. The it was a little bit oddy in the way that um, you know when the when the doctor, as their president, says you know kneel, kneel before Zod, you know kneel before <laughs> your new uh, leaders. Um, they're, 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 but there's some of these people that you know. I mean, even even Bruce says you know he's never run so undignified. They've basically <laughs> been cocooned in this sort of city of theirs that. Um, uh, they've lost track, and the only person who actually does appreciate this is uh, uh, Castellan, and his way of dealing with it is to sort of say, well, you know, I'll help you invade, uh, and that, therefore, you know, you presumably put me in as a puppet president, so on and so forth. Yes, I think it, it was too long. There was certainly episode five, I think it was, there was too much, even though I liked to see inside the tower, this, the, the, you did get the feeling that uh, at least half that episode was padding. We get some other nice little scenes, uh, though uh, great acting uh, by uh, uh, Milton Johns and John mm. Arlott. I think even the, even the guy who uh, is um, uh, Andred uh, Chris... Tranchel, yeah, is it? Um, he he did a reasonable job, uh, and uh, Rodan as well. Um, but it, it, I don't think it gelled. I think there was too much humour. Some of the jokes were, but they seemed to be all the way along. It seems to me as though the actors weren't directed uh, with a with a strong enough hand, and um, basically they all got carried away with this, and they all wanted their little piece of that. So it's not a classic story, but on the other hand, we haven't got that many stories of Gallifrey, so for that point, it's precious. I think in uh, some of the extras that are on the DVD, they say that, you know, if they'd had some establishing shots, you know, seeing the great city of Gallifrey from afar, that may have given it more credibility. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, maybe a three, because it's uh, Leela's last story. That may get they pushed up to three. Um, great uh, voice acting by um, the voice of K Nine, of course. But uh, I, it really annoyed me every time uh, K Nine was in the story. I was thinking, well, this is just ruining the scene. You, you just can't hear what's happening uh, with it. But John Leeson is as always uh, great. So three out of five. Uh, five. Just mention very quickly. Um, there's uh, quite a few extras, certainly on the DVD. There's um, an ounce of time, uh, looking back at the making of the story. There's the rise and fall of Gallifrey, looking back at the portrayal of the Time Lords. Uh, there's that little tongue-in-cheek bit about the David Agnew, uh, mm-hmm. the supposed writer. Yeah. Uh, the deleted scenes, the CGI effects, some continuity announcing, Radio Times listing... Production subtitles, photo gallery, which they've done in a rather strange way because they're not stills. They seem to have done it as like as a video com- yeah. uh, link, a, like a video slide. And slide, um, slide of course, show. yeah, I haven't played them yet with the commentary. But Louise Jameson, John Leeson, Anthony Reed, and uh, Matt Irvine are on the different commentaries. 
so all in all, it's um, it's certainly worth if you can pick the DVD up for a reasonable price. It's also, worth watching the DVD and, also uh, has uh, the info well, text. I don't, I don't, I didn't want to leave that out as well, especially with Ian on board. And they forget your info text, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. No, definitely. Stuff. Yeah, but. Uh, it, it, it falls short of a classic, certainly, but there's some interesting things in it, some great performances in it. Uh, but I think they they um, they got the balance wrong uh, somewhat, and it certainly could have been done with one less episode. All right, so Two. <laughs> three three out of five, you gave it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, also, and that's because it's Leela's last episode. Which she originally wanted her character to die in it, but they felt that would have been too strong for younger viewers. So they, you know, they they chose to have her have a romance, um, which you don't see until the very end. And and the um, the disused yeah. mental hospital is Saint Anne's Hospital in Red Hill. It's um, the hospital that they used. All right. Okay. Yep. I think that's that will wrap up our review. I, I want to remind everyone that um, if you have your comments about this story, if you have a different take on it, you'd like to share it with us, we want to hear it. Uh, we always welcome your feedback. You can write to us at podshock.net or you can uh, record, since it's an audio podcast, you can record something and send it to us. Uh, you could do that via like a voice memo app on your smartphone or on your computer. Just record something. Keep it down to about, you know, three minutes maximum and include a name include a name that we can use to um, introduce you and send it to uh, podshock.net. Or, if you like, you could call the Doctor Who Podshock public call box at 206-337-4699. And that's a voicemail. Um, you know, it works just like voicemail. You call and, and, and leave your message and, uh, you know, so that we can play it in the show. And um, as always, sometimes that number does change. So as always, you might want to go to our website, podshock.net, and just click on the feedback tab on the top there to um, get the latest number to make sure you, you're calling the right number. Because some of these, because uh, a few episodes ago, we had someone saying they were listening to Dr. Podshock. 50-something, whatever. So the numbers change. If you're calling that number that we used back, then it's a different number, unfortunately. So that's why um, I'm reminding people to go to our website and get the, the latest number that way in case it does change. Um, we want to hear from you. I don't have... We don't have any new feedback for this episode, but in our last episode, Dr. Um, yeah, Podshock, yeah, Blue Box Bill, what are you doing? We need you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we um, Always welcome Blue Box Bill. In our last episode, we did have a um, a, a piece of feedback where um, I... oh no no we scrubbed that one the one that said get rid of Ian we scrubbed that one we weren't <laughs> going to play that one <laughs> anyway to the point of it though was um, was comparing fandom from uh, you know going back to uh, to the like to, uh, to the fandom heyday of the mid eighties to today and um, you know and, and his argument was that. It was uh, that it was even more popular back in the mid '80s as it was compared to to today. And I said, I think it's more mainstream, and uh, the fandom is different as far as the makeup goes. I, I don't know if, if either one of you. <laughs> I, I'm using the same. I'm using the same makeup as I did then. <laughs> I don't know if, it, if if either one of you want to. Uh, 
give your thoughts on how fandom maybe is different today as it was maybe uh, um, if if you did participate in Doctor Who fandom in in the eighties or not. I I I'm, don't even know if you did or not. Uh, I thought I think there is a difference. I think maybe you know, and I don't mean to repeat myself what I said in the last episode, but I just think that. Um, it wasn't as mainstream then, so the, I think maybe fandom was more intense when it was brought together in uh, because because of that because the, and also we didn't you know even though the internet existed we weren't all connected to it there were we, the, the the web wasn't around and we we were all in these like little fan pockets if you participated in a fan club but otherwise you were isolated all alone and when you did come to come together let's say at a convention or something else it just was a little bit more intense in the fact that and you felt more connected to everyone because this was the first time you're seeing other people like yourselves and um so where now it's a little bit more commonplace and more people know doctor who and um not to say that that intensity of fandom isn't still alive in certain areas it's certainly at, at certain conventions you do find it but I think it's maybe less so overall speaking. And I, I know I'm not really explaining this too well, but there, there is a difference. But I, I would say that today it's Doctor Who's more mainstream and probably has a, a, a larger audience in that respect. But maybe back in the 80s, it felt more intense if you were a part of it. Right. Well, I mean, because we, we, like you say, we're isolated into, into small local groups. You know, um, basically, as far as you can go in a car or you know on your bike or or wherever. Um, now the the internet has you know created a whole new home for fandoms. Mm-hmm. You know, not even not even just Doctor Who. You know, yes, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and and well, I'm not sure if I'd say it's. Be, I mean, yes, Doctor Who itself has become a little more mainstream, but I think fandom has become more open. I mean, back in the eighties, you know, where you know, episodes were tailing off, the series was winding down, basically coming to an end, and so anything from that point onwards, uh, you yeah, want to say really kind of hardcore hangers on. Uh, nowadays, we've got different pockets of fandom, all centered around the same show. You know, we've got uh, the Tenant Fangirls, we've got the the RTDists, <laughs> the Stephen Moffatists, and you know, we've got. You know, we've got to this point now where we've got a lot more fans. Um, you've got the casual fans, the ones who, who you know have only ever seen the new series. Um, you've got ones that are discovering the old series. Yeah, it's it's opened up fan, you know, Doctor Who fandom, and it's reinvigorated it, if you ask me, because now we've got so many different facets that everybody's got a place where they can be or dabble in, and uh, you know. Rather than it's just like, well, what classic episode are we going to watch this week? And then we talk about it at the end. And that was basically what fan meetings were, were back then. You know, there might have been a fanzine, you know, mm-hmm. but there wasn't an awful lot going on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now there's there's a lot going on and uh, more of it, you know. Yeah, we've got fan fiction is easier to get hold of and easier to write uh, you could make videos a lot easier. I mean, we used to do them as a as a as a fan club. If those ever get out, I think I'm going to have to bribe somebody <laughs> to put them away again. Um, they do exist. Uh, <laughs> I've played the doctor a number of times. Um, 
but you know, back then it was like you know, now you can do freaking special effects on your computer at home, and they look dang good. Uh, so yeah, it's fandom has has changed an awful lot, um, and I think for the better. Um, it's a much more diverse kind of group, and you know, it's it's good avenues for everybody. Yeah. I think in the 80s as well that fandom you, you, you suddenly actually became more of a defender of the programme because mm. if you started the conversation uh, and you mentioned it you say oh you, you like that redhead screamer called Mel or um, yeah. um, you know uh, oh yeah they have monsters in Doctor Who don't they is it Bertie Bassett yeah yeah um, not very good yeah. so you, you would end up knowing that whoever brought the topic up you would end up trying to defend Doctor Who rather than celebrate it. Where now I think the difference with fandom is that the fans celebrate Doctor Who in its diversity. You say uh, you've got Amy Pond fans, Ian, and you've got uh, <laughs> Arthur Darville fans, and you've yeah. got, uh, you know, uh, 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 Clara fans. You've got all sorts yeah. of different fans. So they are keyboard fans a lot. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I just think uh, uh, fans are in a much happier place. I went through the same thing with uh, a certain computer system here in the UK, uh, Acorn Computers, where you know you had to be a diehard fan to still admit you own one. And now the 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 seen as retro things with the Raspberry Pi coming out, the same operating system is working with it, and uh, you know. You can now brag, oh, I, I, I never left the camp. I still have my old Acorn computer that still runs BBC mm-hmm. Basic. You know what I mean? Uh, are people who stayed with Linux after uh, maybe it went out of popularity? No, I think uh, I think fandom's in a very good place. You, you only have to know the, uh, uh, the great news. Um, well, there was great news, wasn't there? Uh, a certain uh, uh, Perry uh, appearing... Was that Perry G? What was the name of that Doctor Who character? Was it Perry G, Ian? Yeah, I think so. Being at Long Island Who? <laughs> Little Bryant. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yum, yum, yum. Sorry. What? <laughs> I, I just want to... Uh, the, the, you got us off track again. What were we doing? <laughs> the feedback that we're responding to was uh, Joe, who had uh, sent in feedback. Oh, feedback. Um, last episode, and uh, he had uh, met Tom Baker at a convention in the, um, I guess it was 1983, um, was it Chicago? I'm not sure now, but he had um, expressed his disappointment about, um, uh, I think Joe, Tom Baker went up to Joe, um, and he was younger at the time, obviously, and said, um, and, and Joe had said to Tom Baker that he was disappointed that he wasn't in the in the 20th anniversary special, you know, the, the five doctors and Tom Baker said, well, right. you know, maybe I'll come back for the 50th anniversary special. And <laughs> so it's kind of, um, lo and behold, you know, lo and behold. Oh, Oh, well, if we're talking about things like that, let me put a quick shout out. If uh, you go on YouTube, find DAC 100, my DVC, but it's called DAC 100 YouTube. Put a, a couple of uh, short clips because the lighting's very bad uh, from um, Who at the Fab Cafe in Manchester 2009, where, where Colin, the Sixth Doctor, and Nicola Bryant uh, are talking. Uh, in fact, one of the things with uh, Colin is asked about uh, Matt Smith, what it, how you think he'll be as the Doctor. But Nicola Bryant's talking a little bit about how she got into acting. They're just about two and a half minutes long. The lighting's not very really good, hence the reason why they've only just gone up on uh, YouTube 
DAC 100, DAC 100, and uh, give them a review, please. Which one? Oh, that one. Plug, plug. <laughs> that 100. That one. <laughs> All right, well. That, 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 that one. That, that one. As always, if you want to hear more. That one. If you want to hear more from that one or the, the other one, you can uh, tune into the Cultum Collective, which is on every Sunday live at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, just your time accordingly on TalkShoe, or you could catch them unlive on uh, your favorite podcatching uh, service, be it iTunes or otherwise, the Cultum Collective, where you'll find Ian and um, Dave chatting Endlessly, no, not endlessly. <laughs> Shouting about all yeah, things. Uh, by the way, listeners, all things Colton, not just Doctor Who. Yeah, we're, we're, I, I would say on the Colton Collective, we're absolutely marvelous. We're not rubbish like we are here. We're marvelous <laughs> on our own show. Of course, they save yeah. their best game for the for the Colton. Of course, <laughs> I get the sloppy leftovers. <laughs> all right. Well, we want to keep this. Um, G-rated, so we'll we'll um, wrap things up here. And <laughs> well, that's going to round out another episode of Doctor Who Podshock. And uh, once again, I want to thank all those that are supporting subscribers. I know it's been a difficult time since. Uh, well, it's been a difficult time for um, Doctor Who Podshock after uh, Superstorm Sandy, and where uh, you know we've came back last year. Um, you know, towards the end of last year, and we've been going. Uh, steadily forward since so um, those that have come back on board as supporting subscribers uh, thank you so much for your support those that uh, were supporters I still want to thank you for your support and um, you know maybe you might consider coming back if you like Um, it's okay it's all good it's because of our supporting subscribers that we're able to do this show and bring it to you and we would like to do more and get you extra content and you know, make the show better and so forth. We kind of rely on supporting subscribers and, you know, whenever we can, you know, we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll do something special for, for you as a supporting subscriber. But um, the most important thing is that you're helping to bring the show to you. So if you'd like to become a um, supporting subscriber, simply go to podshock.net or arttrap.com. You'll find on the top there uh, banners on how to become a supporter. So thank you so much as always. Uh, but again, thank you, David. Thank you, Ian. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I know it's been it's been a long show, but we had a lot to cover. And um, until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Goodbye, Duggan. Bye, Savage. <laughs> That's right. Goodbye, Lee. Goodbye, Leela. <laughs> you have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan run org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrop.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Did you did you just assume his office? The council ratified my appointment. Without a president, the council can ratify nothing. There was no president, and the president elect was elsewhere. Yes. But my point is. Barusa!
You haven't been given leave to depart yet. And until you have been confirmed and inducted as president, I do not need your leave to do anything. The ceremony must take place at once. As soon as... At once!